I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. So today we are concluding our kind of unofficial, official Robert Eggers movie trilogy with his 2022 epic historical action drama as described by Wikipedia, The Northmen. I am Amleth the Bad Wolf, son of King Arvon the War Raven, and I am his virgin! Yay. I'm thinking like, clang, 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 clang. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, very Game of Thrones-esque, very, you know... All of the Valkyries, all of the everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, all and of Bjork. the Vikings. And Bjork. So there you go. That sets it up right there. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously this movie is directed by the one, the only Robert Eggers, and it is written by Eggers and Sean, which is the IPA way of pronouncing uh, that Icelandic poet and novelist's name which makes sense. And this movie stars Alex Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Clay's Bang, Anya Taylor-Joy, Ethan Hawke, Bjork, and Willem Dafoe. So many things to discuss with this movie. Obviously, there are heavy, heavy spoilers ahead. We will be talking everything, The Northman, what it is, what it isn't. And Jamie, are there any trigger warnings for the people out there? Yeah, this movie is bloody and there is violence and there are references to sexual assault um, and there is murder and there Mm -hmm. is fate, which might be freaky to some people. Uh, Some people who are poisoned with psychedelic mushrooms uh, and a guy with no nose. A guy with no nose, the star, the star of the movie. <laughs> Did I miss anything? No, I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, it's as far as blood goes, it's everywhere. So mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. you're not if you're not a bloody person, this movie might not be for you. But if insides you like insides on the outside, insides on the outsides, just basically a bloodier version of the Lion King because the story is kind of the same. So. We need to have a plot summary of this <laughs> movie. Who who wants to go for it? It's Hamlet. That done. Okay, got it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no. Uh, the end. The end. Did you just volunteer yourself? I yeah, think I think Brian I did, did by accident. Like, I didn't mean yeah. to. I didn't mean to. Oops. Mm. What's the plot? <laughs> We will put two minutes on the clock for you to give us your best five minutes of the movie in the first minute and jumbled (laughs) through at the end in the last minute. Sure. Are you ready? Sure. 
All right, and go. So we open up in like a Viking uh, castle village area, and we meet the king, played by Ethan Hawke. Um, he's kind of a, he's, I don't know, he's a, he's a fine king. And uh, he is double, he teaches his son, he basically tells his son that he needs, you know, he should always get vengeance on his father, like always keep his back, always, you know, whatever. And then his brother ends up killing um, him, uh, the other king. And uh, he ends up, um, the uh, prince ends up escaping. Um, and then we flash forward many years later, he's an adult. He's kind of with this other kind of um, scavenger group um, who um, invades other little villages. Um, and then he sees a, um, a vision, uh, kind of like a, a soothsayer or, you know, something from the gods, uh, Bjork, um, reminding him that he pledged an oath to his father to avenge him. So he goes back um, to find his uncle um, in Iceland, um, and he poses as a slave. He ends up be like rank, rising in the ranks of slavery. He meets the Anya Taylor Joy Olga character, who they kind of team up together. Um, he there's a lot of mystical things that go along with this, but he ends up facing his uncle, um, and they kill each other. Um, and he is brought to Valhalla, and Olga is pregnant with his uh, child twins. Um, but he basically gives himself so that they can uh, survive and live because he killed the children and wife, his mother, of his uncle before killing his uncle. Um, and that is the Northman. Also Hamlet. Yeah. But it's also, also based Hamlet. on something. Left. Oh, really? In <clears throat> Hamlet. So there are lions. There's a lion named Mufasa and there's a lion named exactly. Scar. And he says, brother, help me. And then he says, long live. <laughs> king and then he drops him into the the wildebeest stampede and uh simba mm -hmm. thinks it's his fault because scar tells him that it's his fault and then he only learns later that it's not his fault after he makes friends with a meerkat and a uh and a warthog and then he has to fight his <laughs> uncle and he defeats his uncle and his uncle is eaten by the uh by the hyenas, the hyenas because he double crossed <laughs> them and then long story short he takes his rightful place as the king of pride rock that's the northman absolutely that's, the plot. that's exactly what the northman is so if you don't want to watch the bloody version of the that is the northman just watch the lion king or yeah, a version of go. hamlet and then you'll be okie dokie just all fine. caught up yes <laughs> Or if you want to watch uh, Thor. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> because <laughs> the Thor movies, I know a little bit about Norse mythology, but the Thor movies really helped me here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Anything about Odin, you know, Freya, God of War. Totally. Yeah. Valkyrie, Valhalla. Valkyrie, Valhalla. Absolutely. Yes. Totally. So you get your, you can get your kicks anywhere. You don't necessarily have to so, uh, watch this. Just to be clear... And I, I, I know we're joking about Hamlet and the Lion King, but this is actually based on the story of Amleth, um, the Viking prince story that Hamlet is based on, that the Lion King is based on. So, no way! So the, the Viking story of Amleth is what Hamlet is based on, and then the Lion King is based on Hamlet. Okay. I guess I didn't realize that Amleth was an actual, well, part of the mythology of it mm. all. Sure. Oh, fantastical. Well, let's get into it uh, with our segment of likes and gripes for this movie. And now, our likes and gripes. 
obviously this just came out, so it's all of our first time watching this. But let's just talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, and this relationship uh, in the trilogy that is Robert Edgar's mm. and how it fits in, in all of that. So, uh, Jamie, do you want to start? Sure. Um, I really liked this movie. I liked it a lot. I think I also didn't really know what to expect going into it. I realized that Brian and I never watched a, a, a single trailer um, because part of it was we wanted to watch The Lighthouse for the first time before we watched the trailer. So I had no idea who was in this or what was going to happen. Um, so I was happy to see some familiar faces from other, uh, the other two of the, the series is what I'm going to refer to it as, you know, yes. the witch, <laughs> the, the lighthouse and the Northman. Um, the trilogy? so the, yeah, the, the, the trilogy, the trilogy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, at first I was nervous that I wouldn't like this movie because we, you know, watching things at home, we have access to subtitles. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, is this going to be like really hard to understand and like hard for me to get? And I'm just going to have a hard time with it and it's going to take me out of it. But it still was pretty clear what was going on. And the language wasn't for me a huge barrier. Um, but it, it just, just on the, there were still some things that I like didn't know what they were saying, but like, I still knew what the gist was. And, and so I was like, yes, win for me. Um, (laughs) but I, it also like, there was really no point that I felt taken out of the movie. Like, you know, it's a pretty, it's over two hours long, but I never felt like that need to like, Oh, what time? Like the, the looking at your watch kind of thing while you're in the movie. Um, except for the fact that there was actually two people that, that came into the movie theater while we were watching and said that we were in their seats, like an hour and 45 minutes into the movie. And they showed us their tickets and we told them that they were actually in the wrong theater. So (laughs) I was like, I was like, first of all, like, I never, we never saw anybody get up. So it's not like they were coming back. And then like we were in the middle of the movie. So because they already thought they were late to the movie they were going to. So they were just probably in a rush, but like. They were late to their movie. They were 10. I saw their whole ticket stub. They were 10 minutes late to whatever they were seeing in theater seven. Mm, Probably the Northmen, (laughs) but in a different theater. But no, brah, we were in our seats for an hour and 45 (laughs) minutes. It was wild. It was crazy. Anyway. Anyway, so that was the only time that I looked at my watch. Um, Otherwise, I felt pretty engrossed in what was going on. Um, I I haven't really thought about Alexander Skarsgård much since um, uh, since True Blood, to be totally honest. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I I know that I finished it, but if you ask me to like retell, you know, most of what happened, I could not (laughs) tell you. Um, but I remember him being, you know, perfectly fine in that. Um, and he was great. He was super hunky, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, slashing and, and very strong. Um, <laughs> yes. and, uh, yeah, so that goes under likes, um, in terms of, oh, I also was really surprised by Nicole Kidman. This might be a hot take, but I feel like there's just too much Nicole Kidman going on right now. It's like every HBO series, yeah. every AMC ad that plays right before a movie. Yeah. I'm just like so tired of seeing her right now. I need a break. However, she was really good in this. 
And, and I, I really appreciated how she how, like, you know, just how manipulative she was. And mm-hmm. I thought that she was excellent. Um, so I'm like, okay, like that kind of, you know, let me process her being okay here. Yeah. Um, but all in all, yeah, this for me, I liked most of what happened. Um, I, maybe the only gripes I have are just like, um, Anya Taylor Joy's character. And I wanted to know more about like the sorceress mm. stuff, mm-hmm. but like this movie was already pretty long and like, she's not the lead, I guess, but I don't know. I just feel like there's parts of her character that kind of felt underdeveloped and I wish I got a little bit more about her story. Um, yeah. instead of like needing to see more of like Alexander Skarsgård's abs. <laughs> well, I have a question about uh, his abs. Her, I can't, well, probably can't answer that. No, but I did find a video because I follow men's health on YouTube because I like watching the what kind of workouts that they do to get to where. Sure. And there's this- <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I am a gym head at heart, or at least I try to fake like I am. And so I like to look at the, the workouts, especially because there's this guy on men's health who's like the personal trainer for movie stars. So I'll watch how he trains all of the uh, Marvel characters and all that stuff, mm. but there is a video of him and what he did to train Alex Skarsgård that I found right before <laughs> this, right before we started doing this podcast that I have to watch. Mm-hmm. But sure, that's... interesting. Anyway, so I do have an answer about his abs. Well, I will when I watch this 13-minute <laughs> video. But the question that I wanted to ask about Anya, I got confused at the end, so if, if someone can clarify when they're on the boat kind of on the way back home when he's saying, okay, yeah, I'm going to give it up or whatever. And then he touches her scar and finds out that she's going to have twins. And she was saying, he said, oh, your blood, my blood runs in your blood. I don't know how he said it was very like, are they siblings like, or was he just saying, oh no, I see that you are pregnant. Yeah. I think it was that. I think it was like, he had that vision of the tree that like he was, he's also on and saw two children. And so like that confirmed that, um, I think that was just his way of saying like, I have impregnated you. Yes. Okay. It was just confused because I was just like, is she in the line of the, the family line? What is this? A, a Disney mm. cousin? I don't know what's happening. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> any more likes in, in gripes, uh, Jamie? Um, any more gripes than I have? Um, not really. I mean, more likes. I really liked the magical sword. Um, yeah. I thought that was really cool and just like, And I, I liked also how this movie made me feel smart (laughs) because like, as I mentioned, when we saw the lighthouse, it made me feel the opposite of smart and made me feel like I can't appreciate highbrow horror. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really liked how like in the, like we get the prophecy and I was able to like figure out what was going to happen. So I was like, when he talks about like the river of fire, whatever he says, I was like, oh, that volcano is going to erupt and like stuff like that. So I was like, oh, it's like accessible enough to me where I feel very intelligent. But also like I was still, I guess, apparently I gasped at the end, according Mm -hmm. to Brian in the theater when, um, when Amleth gets, gets fatally wounded. Um, Mm. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it was, it was a lot of, oh, 
that that whole scene at the end with the volcano was pretty spectacular. Yeah. Just, I mean, there were a lot of cinematography things that were just so gorgeous about this movie. I also liked – there was this tiny transition, but it just stuck with me when um, – Oh yeah, 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 yeah. When the brother captures uh, Alex Skarsgård for the first time, when after he's like killed his son and he's killed all the people, but then it goes from the army men holding him to then him hanging up uh, on the roof and he's there beating him. And I don't know for some reason that transition just really stood out, and I thought it was beautifully uh, done, just mm. how the camera angles were. Um, yeah, I. I thought that the whole idea of the kind of dead family tree thing was a really cool magical moment in the movie mm -hmm. that I appreciated. Uh, but in watching this, I definitely said, yeah, this is a glorified Lion King. But actually, it all just it started with Amleth at the beginning. So it all started with him. Uh, I liked the story, especially like Jamie said, in comparison to the other uh, Robert Edgar movies. And it was nice to see familiar faces in it as well. I also will go for anything that has to do with Vikings and Valhalla and the that whole mythology because I think it's really interesting. Mm. Uh, it did feel long to me a little bit. Maybe it was if I watched it another day more awake, <laughs> then it probably would not have felt as long. But mm -hmm. for some reason, there were just some parts I was just ready for him I guess when he was in the village of his uncle that whole thing felt really kind of drawn out but I can understand the reason why because you want to build up that tension to when you get to the fights and when he's and I like that there was a plan of the first night I'm going to do this and then the second night I'm going to do this like I'm going to make his life miserable first before I actually go mm -hmm. in and kill them like, I, I understand that concept but some sometimes it did feel a, a little bit long, but it still didn't take away from me liking the story because I did enjoy it. Uh, I don't really think I had any other gripes. The acting was great. Um, even though Nicole Kidman was in it, it, she wasn't in it for a long time in the parts that she was in. It was great. Uh, and I will say, cause Jamie, there's, there's an Apple TV show called Roar and it's an anthology series. And she's Nicole Kidman is in one of the episodes, you know. This. Oh, is that the one where it's like the woman eats photographs yes. or something? Okay. Yes. Yep. I remember the trailer. Yes. <laughs> and I just had to skip that episode. Okay. <laughs> like I just need a break. Well, the minute that she I mean, she it literally and I think that's the description too. It says a woman literally eats photographs is the description mm -hmm. of the episode. And the minute she put that photograph in her mouth, I said, Yep, I gotta go. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna exit. Exit. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, overall, I, I liked it. I, like Jamie said, I understood it and it was a very straightforward storyline. It wasn't something that you had to kind of interpret yourself or it wasn't a symbol of a symbol of a symbol of a symbol. And yeah, that, and the action of it all was, was great. All of the fights, I, I thought it was, it was very well made and it was very entertaining. So yeah. What about you, Brian? Um, I really liked it a lot. Um, it's definitely the most – you two have touched upon this, but it's definitely the most accessible of the Robert Eggers movies. Um, I'm really happy that I didn't have – Jamie We Jamie and I talked about this, and she mentioned a little bit. I'm really happy I didn't have to sit through it once to have to see it a second time, if that mm, makes sense. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. The acting was great. The cinematography was great. All that stuff was great. The storytelling was great. The 
you know, the foreshadowing is wonderful. The, the elements of um, Supernatural were great. Um, it kind of reminds me, I don't know if you saw the Green Knight from last year, but this was good and that was not as good. I know people love mm. that movie and I enjoyed it, but like in terms of like mixing like this like mythology element with the um, with like, you know, historical period. Um, but this was mm-hmm. much better. And I also... Re- that was not for me. <laughs> I, I watched like 10 minutes. And I was like, I'm putting my headphones in. I'm just going to I'm just gonna watch TikTok. <laughs> um, yes. I really liked all of that. I love the prologue with the... Ma- like with the, the volcano and then the voiceover of kind of that soothsayer who he sees later on in the movie, also played by his father. Um, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed this movie a lot um my gripes with this movie uh definitely are i this is a fake gripe because this is not what the movie was but i would have liked for it to lean into kind of some of the the supernatural a little bit more in some places um even mm. though that's not what it was about and i understand that but i really just dug that aspect of it and my guess i do not know this my guess would be is that it did and then the and the, the final product leaned a little bit out away from that because the um the, I'm sure like the production companies and had a little bit more to say than this one that because of the budget than they did like the witch and the lighthouse. Um yeah. but uh yeah, I guess my gripe is I would have liked a little bit more layers from the Anya Taylor Joy character, not just being like the wench who he falls in love with and helps him. Um mm-hmm. I I agree with Jamie. I would like they really they talk a little bit about her um like having there's something a little bit more than appears to the eye. Um and I would have liked to have seen or or at least been alluded to a little bit more of that. Um Right. Uh I'm sure that you know, you know, we're a couple days out from seeing this movie and I'm sure I'll if I see it again I'll have some gripes and I had more gripes when walking out of the theater, but like what has lasted with me from this movie is just like, I really liked it. And it was a really good time in the movie theater. It was like, it took itself pretty seriously, but there was room for kind of this camp in some ways. Uh, Like the, Mm. like, you know, even if they were trying to do the accents for real, like they were still a little like, you know, and like him being so angry at some points, that was a little campy. And then um, even if that wasn't their intention or not, like it doesn't matter to me. Um, yeah, the action was great. He was such a hunk to look at. Um, uh, and, and just the setting and the way it was very stark and it it still had like his, his directorial like style to it, but it felt a lot bigger and then a lot more, but I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. That's you saying that that is true. It did feel a lot bigger because of the other two movies that we watched. It was so, it was a lot of close ups. It was a lot of tight shots. Mm-hmm. And this one, I guess because the story was broader anyway and needed more of environment to tell the story, that it lend itself to having a kind of a bigger feel. But I definitely agree with that. Yeah. It felt a lot bigger. <laughs> like the Robert Edgar shots were still in there. Like the fa- yeah. the uncle standing in the doorway looking around at his dead family, like that, mm-hmm. like with just like the strings in the background or whatever, or that like that whatever his like signature like score is for his movies. Like there are these like wide shots where like that, the, the characters are kind of staying there. So it, it like, it's just a picture of that wall. So it feels both uh, claustrophobic and open at the same time, which I feel like he does a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Something I also liked about this movie is I feel like in revenge movies, it's very black and white. 
in terms of like this person was done wrong or done dirty and then somebody yes. is going to you know figure out a way to get like taken or something like that we're like we are rooting for him even though he's killing all of these people we are rooting for him because he's trying to get his daughter or you know um you know, death wish we are rooting for him because they killed his family or would pick any mm-hmm. movie this one by that whole sequence of him attacking that village and like the the women the, the kids being burned in that room in that, and, yeah. and mm-hmm. the women being taken to a, probably be sexually abused and the uh, men being you know t- cha- and women being t- chained up to be slaves like and then he was like he was like a part of this and he was like the lead mm-hmm. like murderer I like that because it added gray to what he's doing. And so when the twist comes, which was very predictable for me in terms of the Nicole Kidman scene, mm. y- y- that just reintroduced the gray. Like he's trying to li- like, he has a vow to live up to, but like, it is not all black and white as we've seen this whole movie. And then all of a sudden, like mm. you have that gray scene again and he's like <clears throat> totally torn of what to do. And then he has a choice to make. And then what does he do? He makes one choice that, fulfills both sides of the choices that he has to make um right which is that gray again so i i definitely dug that yeah well let's let's get into all of that because it as far as layers that was a very layered concept within within the movie but let's talk about it in our segment of mm, brains tasty so (laughs) (laughs) revenge is basically kind of the main a dish a dish served cold man i was gonna say it (laughs) oh man oh man but there's but there's a lot of extra things uh, attached to that you know he carries out his revenge but to what extent you know he's dead which at the beginning he's willing to die for that because he hasn't met the Anya Joy character yet and that's kind of his only of course you would want to live through that situation but he's okay with dying as long as he's avenging his father and then he's back in Valhalla with his father so a lot has happened to him he at a young age saw his father die he saw the village being taken away and he had to run away and have a whole nother life to the extent of where he is not even thinking about avenging his father anymore. He's just out trying to live his life until, you know, the Bjork character comes and says, Oh, remember you said that you were going to go back and do this, blah, 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 blah. Which is an interesting thing because we kind of think of revenge having a, such a hold on people that it's something that they would remember But it's not until that witchy character comes back and says, hey, you need to fulfill this. This is your destiny that he kind of goes back to it. And I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just interesting to think about that. We the movie is revenge, revenge, revenge. But that wasn't really his whole entire existence until he was reminded of it. And then he drops everything and says, revenge, revenge, revenge. So it's interesting that he kind of left it alone. I guess my general question is that I'm just now thinking of is, do you think that because that was such a traumatic experience, he ran away and that traumatic experience led him to let it all go until he was reminded of it again? 
Or do you think maybe a little bit of it was with him? I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. It's really interesting because as you were talking about it, I was also thinking like, you know, maybe he doesn't remember perhaps because of the trauma, but like Mm -hmm. he, he's, according to the Wikipedia, he's raised as a berserker, which is, uh, like those who fought in a trance-like fury, um, within like old Norse, whatever, whatever. So, I mean, even if maybe consciously he does not remember what happened, like he's a, he becomes this like tool of violence. Like I, I, it's hard to believe that like he isn't tapped into this anger that's with him all of the time. And maybe he just doesn't know necessarily why. Oh, where it came from. Yeah. But like, I think that it's, it's palpable. It's right under the surface. And like, Mm. he's not necessarily living this like happy go lucky, you know, like, uh, meditative life. He's, he's, you know, like violently sacking towns and murdering people, um, Mm. and doing like horrible things to people. So I, I don't know. I like, I feel like that's really intentional that, I mean, again, he could have been like picked up by this group and felt, you know, like he owed them his life for saving his and Mm. joined Mm. along and, and did that. But like, I think, also, again, like he could have, in theory, joined up with any any group of anybody, and it's 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 meaningful that I think he joined up with this group that is incredibly violent. Yeah, that that does make sense, though the the idea that all of that anger and rage from seeing his family taken away from him, and now that's being manifested in the physical by him just not even caring about, I mean, that scene where they're putting the children in the little house and, and burning it, it was awful. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. And yeah, (laughs) just him having that, that transition or having all of that underlining anger and having that violence just come out forward in that sense does kind of make sense of, of where he's headed. And it made him strong enough to be able to go back and, fight, you know, his uncle or fight the, the people that he was, uh, trying to get revenge on that whole entire village, which was also interesting too. Did they say, if, if you remember the uncle, he tried to take over, but then he, someone else beat him to it. And then now he was just a sheep farmer. Did y'all catch that? In the movie? Yeah. I forget. Uh, he was overthrown yeah. by someone else. And okay. so instead of like facing the consequences of that, he he left. He's like in exile. Okay. And just built up his own little thing yeah. area over somewhere else. Okay. Cool. So many things. So with all of this anger and suppression of anger, what in a general sense, Jamie, what can happen to someone who does not process their anger and not necessarily, you know, some people have a lot of anger and they don't enact revenge, but they do other things that, you know, 
expresses their anger. But then there are some people who truly and legitimately just try to pack it and push it down and try to live like a normal, friendly, healthy life. But then it kind of can bubble up and manifests manifest itself in other ways. So what can happen to people when they don't process their anger correctly or healthily, I should say? Yeah. I mean, like it, it can definitely lead to like more impulsive outbursts, taking out anger on people or things unintentionally. Um, you know, that could be like destroying objects in your home, uh, like abusing people, abusing animals, um, Mm. like road rage, like all, like all of that, um, and can definitely impact relationships, your job, um, you know, your like ability to like focus on, on different things if there's like any kind of hardship or, or trigger. Yeah. And how can someone, or if someone came to you and said, I have all of this anger, this person has disappointed me. I feel like I've been backstabbed, you know, and I can't let go of this anger. What would you say to them to help them kind of try to release that? A short, a short five minute uh, co- cognitive behavioral therapy session. <laughs> would you say just a real quick? Yeah. Would you say, hey, just, stop? Just quick. Hey, stop it. Yeah, <laughs> that's where you start. Um, no, but there's like different. I mean, I think there's a, it's a couple of things. It's like yeah, on the like cognitive side, it's like figuring out what's going on and and seeing like are there other perspectives that like maybe we're not thinking of? Um, mm-hmm. Like, is it is this is it helpful for you to like? you know, let your, let your emotions influence your actions and behaviors in this way. Um, if somebody else was like feeling the same degree of anger and rage, like what would you, what's a compassionate, empathetic thing that you would say to them, um, in terms of like other, other releases or, um, ways to kind of like process if you're set off or like triggered and feeling really upset, Um, some people can, I mean, I guess it depends on like, you know, how much they're willing to do some of these things, but like people talk about like counting to 10 or like taking, taking a pause because like the amount of time that you're able to increase from when you get mad to like whatever action you take, Mm -hmm. like the hope is that you can kind of slow down enough so that you're not just impulsively reacting. Yeah. Um, and so like pausing, like literally stopping before you act, focus on your breath. You tend to like not take, you know, as full deep breaths when you're feeling like, just like when you're anxious, you're not Mm -hmm. taking those full, like you're taking those like shorter, shallow breaths with your chest, like deep belly breathing, like focus on like taking in those like big, deep breaths. Um, sometimes literally like removing yourself from a situation that is like causing you to feel frustrated or angry Um, like, can't, like, can you walk away? Can you go to another room? Can you go outside? Um, again, it's like, how do you remove yourself so that you're creating space in between like your emotions and, and the action or behavior? Um, are there other outlets that you can use like, um, like exercise or working out? Like, you know, you are someone that likes to punch things. Um, (laughs) do you like to punch things when you are angry as well? And do you find that helpful? Listen, (laughs) (laughs) like I imagine, (laughs) I imagine that like boxing probably feels pretty cathartic, especially if you're like 
you know, you're, you're carrying a lot of stuff throughout the days or like if you're Mm -hmm. set off, it's like, is that an opportunity to, to, you know, have that like deep release? Um, so like some high impact activities like that can be really helpful. Other people like grounding stuff, um, like Mm -hmm. meditation, um, again, other things as a way, again, it's also like kind of taking your focus and attention off of the thing. And like, if you're feeling that energy pent up in your body, how do you get your body to, to release it? Um, so those are, I mean, I guess technically he's using his body a lot in this movie, but it doesn't really (laughs) seem to be helping with managing his anger. (laughs) Yes. I mean, yes. Do things for your body, but also just don't harm other people in the process. <laughs> maybe, mm, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe not. So maybe much. not. Maybe leave other people alone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so as a society, we often hear the phrase of forgiveness is for yourself, not the other person. Mm. Can you talk to me about what that means mentally and, and forgiving a person for their wrongdoings in a sense of, I mean, in this case, you know, Alex didn't forgive his mom and she, he just went full blown. Okay. I'm just going to kill you now. But if we were to forgive her, can you just talk about, well, if you even agree with that statement that forgiveness is for you and not the other person and how we can, uh, and why we need to forgive for ourselves. Yeah. I, I like that. I've never heard that before, but I think it makes a lot of sense that like the act of forgiveness isn't. And I mean, even with like our literally ourselves, like how often are we harder on ourselves than on other people? Because like, we can't even forgive ourselves for for things, mistakes that we feel like we shouldn't have made or like whatever expectations that we're holding to ourselves, Mm -hmm. um, that that self-forgiveness can be really difficult. So again, if it's like outside of us with somebody else, you know, is it helpful to be carrying that resentment or like, you know, wanting to get revenge on somebody? Like, does that help you? Like what, what are you hoping to get out of that? And, and does carrying that help you or does it cause harm? And for some people, they might say like they need it for, for one reason or another. Um, Mm -hmm. maybe like not being able to forgive someone, um, you know, allows them to like set a boundary and stay safe. So like Ah. maybe context is important for them, but I think, um, you know, for, for other people, like carrying, carrying that is like, can, you know, cause a lot of undue stress and and harm in other ways. How might that like impact other relationships with other people? Um, like yeah. other ways that it might, um, you know, impact your mental health. How might you be internalizing certain things because you're carrying that, that like grudge towards somebody else. Um, right. and so I think like thinking about those things, that's where forgiveness can, can, you know, help, help you in particular. Mm-hmm. Also that is easier said than done. Um, right. and I think like what you said, I, I think you mentioned about like forgiving versus forgetting. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. and, and like, you know, just because you're forgiving somebody for something doesn't mean that you are like fully, you know, absolving them and, and not right. remembering what they did. Um, but more of just like choosing not to carry that 
and still keeping in, because like maybe now the relationship has to evolve as a result of what happened, but you can still forgive them for whatever it is that they, that they did. But like, you know, that's, that's an example of like, not necessarily just like forgetting and letting somebody get away with doing something harmful. Um, yeah. I think that's but, where yeah. that comes in when you said at the beginning about boundaries Mm-hmm. And the the aspect of forgiving, but you're not forgetting because now you're setting a boundary yeah. so that it won't happen again. Or like you said, the relationship changes. So I think that is also very important to note that it's it's a matter of you can forgive the person and you can remove it from your own personal baggage so you're not carrying it, but you can also use a boundary as to kind of redefine the relationship and to also not forget so as for it to not happen again in, in any relationship, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's also like a, a choice. Like when you said it's like for you, I think it's also like you are like all of us have past stuff, right? Like we all have had experiences that like inform and have, you know, shaped who we are, but how much do the, how much does our past have a hold on us in terms of like dictating how we, how we live our lives? Mm -hmm. And I think like with practicing forgiveness, it's a, it's a way to like acknowledge and reflect on our past and how it informs us without letting it dictate how to move forward. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. That's like usually how I, how I like reflect on that. Yes, that's great. Can you say that one more time? I think people need to hear yeah, that. Yeah, hopefully Just- I can say that again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have this problem in real life therapy too where I'll say something and they were like, that was so good. I'm, I'm going to write that down. What did you say? And I'm like, oh, oh God, what did I say? It's It was just, it's so good in the moment. We, the moment is gone. Um, (laughs) um, something along the lines of like, you know, the, we can reflect on the past and use the past to help inform our present and our future, but that like, it doesn't dictate our, our, like how we live our lives. Um, absolutely. It's yeah. We're, we're pulling from, cause also like, what if we don't have those experiences? Like, I think people also get caught up on the flip side of like, well, if this has never happened to me, how do I know how to have a deal with it? Right. Um, if it yeah. does happen. And I think also people underestimate how resilient they are and like how many strengths they have to be able to work through difficult, challenging situations. So you know, use, you can use the past as a way to inform you, but it doesn't, you know, it, it's, it's not fate. Un, unlike this movie <laughs> right, um, yes. where, you know, your life, your future is now dictated because of your past. Mm. Um, but uh, yes, that doesn't apply in this, this, movie, in particular. <laughs> in this movie, but that's a good <laughs> way to mic drop sound uh, for Jamie, because that was well. some, some truth bombs. <laughs> happening on Talking Horror. This is what this Yeah, you don't have to add them. I'll do them myself. (laughs) That's the sound of a mic, right? Oh, that was good. I did that live. Some Foley shit. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Producer Ryan, Foley shit. Yes. Always coming to the rescue. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, this next question, uh, if producer Brian can give his, his thoughts on this, but... Watching this movie, it made me think a lot about how men are treated 
in the fact of not being able to express emotions. And we see even at the beginning of this movie when uh, the Alex character is a little boy and he sheds that one tear and they said, this is the last tear that you're going to shed and we'll give it back to you when you can shed, you know, when you can use it again. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's it's so interesting the idea and even years later when Nicole Kidman says to the uncle don't cry in front of your inferiors when he's crying over he just lost his son and Mm -hmm. she's saying nope you can't show any kind of emotion in front of these people because you need to seem like you are their leader and so Jamie can you walk me through the how this can be such a negative effect as men get older in their adulthood and how it kind of ties into the relationships that they build. And then Brian, if you can just kind of give your own perception of the idea of men not being able or feeling like they can't express their emotions. Sure. Yeah. Um, Emotions are healthy and normal and we all have them. Please express them. Please. It is is (laughs) – a positive, helpful thing. Um, yeah. I mean, there's so much like stigma around sharing emotions. Uh, yeah. Like expressing emotions, especially for men. Um, you know, I, it's, it's super misogynistic, man. I mean, you know, this idea that like only women are emotional, um, Mm -hmm. and perpetuating that myth just can cause a lot of harm and make, expressing emotions really complicated or like trying to establish what emotions are okay to express. Like anger is an okay expression of emotion Mm. in men. Um, but also on the flip side, like, does that then mean that women can't be angry? Like only women can be sad. Like, and who does, who made these rules? What book or what book are we pulling from? Like, these are all made up things that for some reason we, we follow. Exactly. Oh, Brian, are you, what are you saying? You're muted. Oh, I no. actually was on and then I just muted myself. I was going to make a joke about you were like, what book says that? I was like, the Bible. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't finished reading that one. So um, I'll get back to you on yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, I use this like really, I've used this dumb metaphor for so long in my therapy work. But like, if you look at emotions like a, bottle of soda. And as your emotions are building up, like you're shaking a bottle of soda and like the carbonation is getting more and more. If you just go to like open up that bottle of soda, totally normal, it's going to blow up in your fucking face. That is what it's like when you're not like regularly managing and checking in with your emotions. If you are, if you are being told that you cannot express your emotions and you're just shoving all that stuff down it comes out. Like, even if you think that you are not addressing it, it Mm. still is going to come out and it's going to come out at the shittiest times, at the most inconvenient times. You're going to feel it hard and intense. And it's just going to be such a fucking pain for you to, to deal with when stuff does come up. And so allowing yourself to feel things as they are happening when it is safe to do so. And that's my little asterisk because sometimes Mm. people people aren't in the right, like not just emotional space, but like physical space to be able to express certain emotions. Like it's not safe to, and that's something to keep in mind. But I think for 
other situations, like if, if something is going on, like your feelings, your emotions are totally valid. And like, you are entitled to feel those feelings. Um, otherwise it's going to blow up and it's going to be bad. So you gotta, that's why you gotta release it slowly, slowly back to the bottle. And just to add to that, uh, slowly thing. There's a, there's a book that I'm reading that just talks about the cycle. You have to go through the cycle of your emotions. And so it, she was dating it back to, uh, we always talk about fight, flight, freeze and all that stuff and, and kind of processing stressors. And so the stressful thing, you know, happens. So say for instance, you're getting chased by a lion, you know, and then you escape you run from the lion, you know, you escape it and then you get to a safe place. Your adrenaline is still running, but you're in a safe place. And then, you Oh my God. Are you reading the, the burnout book? No, I'm, it's come as you are. Emily Nagoski. Oh, I was like, you're literally citing like a, a, okay. a chapter of another book that I read. That's all about like how to deal with burnout. Um, oh, maybe she was literally talking about book. the lion. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe she was referencing that book because she has a lot of references of other things. So maybe that's where she got it from. <laughs> but I need to read the burnout that's now. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's, and so when you, of course, now our stressors are not being chased by a lion, it's other day to day things. And it could be the smallest thing or whatever. But it's the fact that you have to go through the entire cycle of that emotion to get back to mm. the state of normalcy. Uh, in your in your body and in your mind and not skipping a step, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that goes with you, Jamie, just saying, just twisting off the top and then everything exploding. So it's like mm-hmm. a matter of going slow at it and letting the cycle kind of complete itself uh, and not beating yourself up in the process as well, because that's not going to help. And just like letting it, letting it go as it needs to go in a healthy and a safe way, as Jamie also said, because you don't want to, time and a place, you know? But never feel like you have to completely suppress all the things. So, Brian, would you like to comment just on the nature? Yeah, of- now we're we're done women splaining right. to you. <laughs> uh, no, I don't want to talk about my emotions. Thank you. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's not only a problem in general, but it's a problem like in the media. Um, mm. I think that there's a lot of stuff out there today content out there they that is the opposite of that that is like allowing people to but like it's just so ingrained in our social you know interactions and and all of the social norms that it's like you know really hard but i feel like millennials and younger are definitely breaking out of that kind of uh you know greatest generation boomer kind of uh even gen um uh, Gen X, like, like all yeah. of that stuff. Like I do think that there's a softening of it, but that may just be with every, that may be with every single generation for all we know. Like, but I, I do think it was still there. Like I try my best, but I'm not that great at it. Um, mm. uh, but I'm definitely better because of the people I surround myself with, including Jamie and my friend Jay and yes. all of that. Like, like, um, but I, I do think it's also, you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's nature and nurture in some ways, Be- I guess, because like nurture in just terms of like how you've grown up, what you see, all of that stuff, what kind of environment you grew up in and all that. But like mm-hmm. nature wise, like, I don't know, maybe it's just like, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's not easy to be introspective in some ways. It's much easier in the moment to move on. 
uh, even though you're you're technically not moving on because, like Jamie said, like you're just shaking the the bottle a little bit more. Um, yeah. But I, I think it's um, I think it's a, has a lot to do with that. I think it has a lot to do with um, you know how we we associate that not only with men but also like um, uh, you know what just different generation, like what men are supposed to be and do and like, mm-hmm. whether it's like, you know, a soldier or whether it is, you know, uh, you know, you know, just, just like the man of the family or, you know, the, the leader or whatnot, like also it's double standard. Like Jamie said, like if I'm angry or if I'm like authoritative in a meeting or if I'm just like, you know, like that, like, People are going to be like, wow, he's a good decision maker. He, he really took right. charge of that meeting. If a woman does it, she's a bitch. She's mm-hmm. on her period. She's And like that adds to all of that. And you see it in, in, in related back to movies. Like there are a lot of male directors like Stanley Kubrick or David Fincher who like are perfectionists. And they're, they're, they're <laughs> insane people when it comes to detail. But people are just like, well, they just want the product they want. Meanwhile, Nancy Myers needs the perfect kitchen. You're going to do a million shots over and over again. And she's just like, ugh, Nancy Myers is so difficult to work with. And like, it's like, mm. no, they're doing the same thing. David Fincher's just, David Fincher and Nancy Myers, you know, has different chromosomes. Like, that's why we judge yeah. them that way. And like, <clears throat> and um, again, I don't know them personally or the people that have worked with them. So this is just like <clears throat> stories and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But... Uh, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. That is how it is perceived. And um, mm. I think that we can all do our part, whether it's just internally being a little bit more reflective of the things that you're feeling and who you are, the small things externally, just like sharing a thought or a feeling. I saw this incredible video. I don't know if you all know Marcus Lemonis. Marcus Lemonis mm-hmm. um, is a uh, businessman. He has a show called The Prophet. Uh, he's very wealthy and runs a lot of businesses on C- and CNBC is a show called The Prophet. And I, I used to watch a lot of YouTube videos by him. I really like him. Um, and uh, something that he, um, he it was it was fascinating. He's like the best way to get to know somebody. He was really into business, but um, he said the best way that you get you can know somebody is like asking them a, a a personal question that kind of straddles the line between comfortable and uncomfortable, and and in the most positive way. He was like, you know, what is what, you know, he, he brought people on stage. He's like, okay, what's something that you regret or what's, what's something in your life that you wish you could change or that you feel like you missed out on. And then one woman out there said like, you know, I, I, my time has passed, but I really wish I had children. You know, I look back and wish Mm -hmm. that I had that experience. And then Marcus said like, me too. Like, I know, Mm -hmm. I know I'm a man and you're a woman and like, we would have different experiences, but like, I don't have kids. And, and he's like, and then he turned to the audience, like, boom, there, we just connected. It wasn't like I didn't ask them like what their favorite position is. Like I, I asked them something yeah. they regret in their life and they can make the decision of how vulnerable they want to be with me. But if they're super vulnerable or if they're not vulnerable at all, you make that connection. And that's how you grow as a person and with relationships. And like it doesn't have to be you cry in front of people. You can cry privately. But like the idea of empathizing and sympathizing and sharing is is something that we also could do a little bit more of as opposed to being like, I don't know. And like grumpy or whatnot. Like so that, that I, I, right. I, I kind of talk through the spectrum of things and I'm sure there's a lot deeper things, but that's kind of how I think and see about things knowing that I'm not the best at it. But I, I really, I work sometimes harder than other times at being 
like a little bit more open with how I'm feeling, whether it's with my therapist or whether it's with my friends or, or Jamie, um, who I guess is both, but none. Um, fair. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. I like that, uh, that, that line of questioning and like that Mm -hmm. people then have the autonomy to decide how vulnerable they want to be. Yeah. Um, and it, it, oh, no, go ahead, Brian. No, I was, I, I, I got nothing else. I'm, I'm shot. That was, <laughs> that was too much emoting. <laughs> He's tired. Uh, let's wrap this up. Let's do a <laughs> No, but that's great. And thank you, Brian, for sharing, you know, even the slightest bit of, of, I'm going to, I'm going to cut it so it doesn't matter. No, I'm no. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> They have to all witness all of our vulnerabilities, you know? Mm -hmm. We got to be real with the people. (laughs) Fantabulous, because we get real on talking horror. So I I, I have a question, if you don't mind, Nikisha. Yeah. I want to go back a little bit to the the revenge piece. Um, Mm. What do you – he's – let's say he had lived, okay? So he – his whole life, or at least, you know, was that vow to, to, to avenge his father, get revenge on um, his uncle. And yeah. he is living his whole life to get to this one point. Um, and he, he came to terms with the fact that he might die. Um, and, and he does. Um, but like, Spoiler. what if he had lived like, or in any of these movies where they get revenge and, and it succeeds, or I feel like there's a lot of these movies where like somebody tells someone else, like, don't do it. Don't kill them. Like, it's not going to make your dad come back. Like you always have that scene mm-hmm. with somebody like, yes, in real life. Like what would, ha- like, let's say he succeeded. He kills his uncle. Like then what, then what does he do? Like, is he going to be a- an angry father? Like, I guess it's a person to person situation, but like, mm-hmm. like then what, once you've, once your life's mission is complete and you're not done with life yet. Right. Can you truly let it go? Yeah. You know, as the song says, yes. How do you, <laughs> how do you feel, Jamie? Do you think that it's possible to let go of that revenge when it's complete? I mean, I think it depends. Like <clears throat> in this, um, there was something, there's a point where Alexander Skarsgård kind of says like all, like that he's never opened his heart up to anyone else mm. and all he's ever known is anger. Mm. But I think that the fact that he is able to open his heart up to Anya Taylor-Joy and like have that connection with her, I think is a sign of like, you know, his his ability to like shift the focus away. And I, you know, there's the part where he goes back because it's his destiny, but also because I, I don't know if I think that he's wrong. And at least in this, in this world that like, if he doesn't go after his uncle, like he's taken everything away from his uncle. His uncle has nothing left other than for his uncle to get revenge on him. Right. Like I'm yeah. sure his uncle would probably try to do the same thing and come after him and his family because of what he did to his uncle. But it's like, you know, this never ending eye for an eye that just never stops. Um, but I, I do think, I think for some people there is still space in their hearts to open themselves up to other 
things and other people. Um, and sometimes like, you know, how much of that is also like seeing and experiencing that. So again, you know, when he gets picked up by these like warrior guys, um, as a kid and is like raised with them, all he ever knows is, is, is violence and, and aggression. And like, he's like, that's what he's around seeming like we, obviously we skip some years in between, but just based on how he's interacting with them and, and, you know, being violent on his own, we can assume that that's what he's gotten since he ran away. And so for him to have an experience with somebody that is not that, and that is like empathetic towards him and like, hears his story and cares. Um, I think those are things like an outsider that's able to kind of break through the tough exterior is also something that can help so that again, it's like, Oh, there are things outside of just this one like source of revenge that, that can fulfill me that I can feel connected to. Cause it's also like, this is something that connects him back to his father. And like, he feels like he's like, like he's lost his father. He's lost this connection. And, and he also is under the impression that he's going to like regain his connection with his mother. And so when he's able to find other connections outside of his family, I think that's also really meaningful too. You're muted, Nikisha. Oh, I think you're muted. I am. Mm-hmm. Professional podcasters. Uh, <laughs> I did it too. Professional. Jamie, you have to do it now. <laughs> no, there's quickly my upstairs neighbor. They have a dog. It's really cute, but he runs around and drops toys, and you can kind of hear it sometimes. So I have to mute to make sure that you're not hearing destruction. I know that. Life. I was about to say we didn't hear it, but like you muted, so we didn't hear it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, uh, oh no! Go for yes. it! Go for it! Go for it! No, no, no! No, I was gonna say, but can we talk about the mom in a sense? Oh my god, uh, that was gonna be what I wanted to talk about too. Twinsies, twins, <laughs> <laughs> mutant mics, and talking about moms. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're changing the name of the podcast to Mutant Mics and Talking Moms and Moms and, mom. and Talking mics Moms. And moms. <laughs> mics and Moms. <laughs> that sounds like a like it could be a street drug, but anyway. Uh, so. <laughs> I did. I didn't really have a particular question about the mom. Just an, an opinion. So, if Brian, you have other things to add, please add. But do we think that it's kind of believable behavior that she would turn her back on her son when he comes back and says, "Hey, I'm trying to rescue you," and she's saying, "Oh, my life was miserable. I didn't want that life anyway, and now I have somebody that I love, and we have a child out of love. So, like, forget you." I don't know how I felt about that in, in that moment. Did y'all have any opinions about that? I mean, I guess like the reveal is that she was also a slave and was taken. And then, you know, again, like the allusions to like her being assaulted and, and his father being like this really brutal, aggressive guy. And, you know, I can imagine because we're not getting like the, the story is being told through his, his lens, right. It's his narrative. Mm -hmm. So we're obviously missing a lot of things, including, you know, who his father really was. And so even in the start of the movie, when he's like, daddy's here or whatever he says, I forget how he says it, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) like the excitement that he has 
versus Nicole Kidman, who's just like, never come into my room unless you not or whatever right. she says. Yes. Um, and so like, you know, we're the whole, the whole, this whole story is through his perspective and we don't really know the kind of person, like we don't know the objective truth, mm. um, the facts. Um, so it's, I think that he's seeing her as a villain. Um, but I think if that is also reality, then is it, is it not understandable? Like if she is a victim of, of sexual assault, like by Ethan Hawke as the King, um, mm-hmm. and then was forced to like carry his, his child. Like I can imagine her relationship with that child is very complicated. Yeah. Um, so, so it didn't like, I wasn't not bought into it. Um, I, what I thought was weirder, there was something weird that happened in that interaction before she like turned on him again. Like Mm -hmm. she like, she said something about how, like, I don't know. It felt very like Oedipus complex where she was alluding to like, Oh, well if you kill him, then you're the King. Then like, I guess you take me. And I was like, Whoa, slow down, mom. (laughs) This is getting crazy. What are you talking about? So that confused me. Well, yeah, because she was talking about, you know, a a son will always love his mother and, you know, the mother will always love the son. And, yeah, the minute that they had that weird kiss interaction definitely was Oedipus vibe. There is a scene, there is that Gertrude Hamlet scene in Hamlet that that can be played multiple ways, one of which is that Gertrude is trying to kind of seduce him to get him to do what what she wants. I think Glenn Close played it that way in the... um, Mm. in the uh the mel gibson hamlet um but i don't i don't know how often it's played that way but it, it can be played that mm. way for sure oh geez did you have any other thoughts about the mom character brian um yeah i mean it's just the gray like to me that twist was I, not the specifics of it but the fact that she was happy i was expecting um because that's the gray this movie is less interesting if he's not if his if his revenge isn't challenged in a very um intense way um yeah and uh and and that's probably the for him through this process that and like actually like falling in love and like having a heart or whatever it is meanwhile he gets stabbed in the heart Uh, i thought that was interesting um (laughs) yes all of that is just like i mean you know, I, I expected that from it. I think it was a, a good scene, well, well, well acted, definitely um, impactful. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, she just like she has a complicated relationship, and she's happy. She she was, uh, you know, she was one of the slaves that the king slept with. Where you know, um, you know, and, and Jamie said like through all that trauma and all of that, just not feeling wanted or needed or loved, um, and second mm-hmm. rate to her son to the 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 you know gold and the 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 spoils that come with all of that like she the uh, like even at the beginning when Willem Dafoe makes that joke about um the mother and and he is yeah. and the uncle is quick to like snap at him everyone's like it's just a joke bro chill out like she's actually mm-hmm. being defended by somebody um and like she's just like she she's living the life that she wants to live. And now her old son from a world that she doesn't want to pass that she doesn't want anymore is trying to take that away from her. Um, and he yeah. does, I mean, while she's still alive, he kills her firstborn. Um, or her, mm-hmm. of her, and so, yeah, I, I, it adds a whole complex layer and, and that whole sequence with his mom and the kid, um, 
Mm -hmm. leads to his decision in the end. Because he killed that man's family, his uncle's family, like now he has to fix it all or at least take his uncle out of the picture. Finish what he started. Yeah, because then, like Jamie said, like then his kids are going to be killed. Um, Right. And I I liked all the Valkyrie stuff, the Valhalla stuff a, a lot, excuse me. Um, um, and, uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of my thoughts on that. That, yes. Thank you for saying that because that made sense. Cause I was trying to think in my brain, what did I miss for him to get off of that boat and go back? But it's because the uncle was still alive and he found out that Anya was pregnant. And if the uncle, the uncle will come back and kill the kids. So he had to go back and yeah, kill the uncle. He knows that what it's sense. like. He has nothing. Now his uncle has nothing. Like he has nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. He's going to take everything that he loves away from him again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that tracks. That makes sense. Before we go to Rotten Tomatoes, I have to ask the question. The question I have to ask is: Is the Northman a horror movie? Jamie, <laughs> no. <laughs> that was it. The end. <laughs> I agree. No, and was it marketed as a horror movie? Because I don't think I watched a trailer for this either, or mm. have seen any type of interview or TikTok, social media thing about, look at Robert Eggers' new horror movie. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it was, I, again, I haven't watched them, but I didn't think going in thinking that, I did not go in even without watching anything, think this was going to be a horror movie. And let's be honest, okay. like, The Witch is a horror movie-ish. The, I mean, it yeah. is. The mm-hmm. Lighthouse is debatable, I guess. Um uh, but I, I would lean more towards thriller. horror movie. Yeah, yeah, like psychological thriller. Yeah. Um, um, but this one, like, so this is what I said to Jamie afterwards. I don't think this is a horror movie. This is a revenge epic. Uh, you know, it's bloody. It's you know, it's it's all of the above. However, mm-hmm. there is that supernatural element to it. There is the crows cut him down. Um, you know what I mean? Like the sword only works for him or at night or whatever the case, the, you know, mm-hmm. for him. Um, there's a lot of supernatural, el- like the Anya Taylor character, like she's something witchy's about her. He's seeing all of these things around him, the soothsayers, the, you know, all, all of the of that stuff. You know, there's that element of the gods um, and Valhalla and the Valkyrie. So there are spiritual, like spooky elements of this that are real, that are actually in the movie. They are not like that. And and at one point, the father, the uncle, excuse me, believes that they are being haunted by a spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. because we know that it is the Alexander Skarsgård character, it's not a horror movie to us. However, if this was told from the perspective of the uncle and then the uncle's twist is that his old his nephew is all grown up and one of his slaves, like that would be a mm. horror movie because then we'd, we'd be seeing it from the uncle's perspective. We're like, oh, my gosh, my men are being killed. Is there a monster out there? Mm. Like what's happening? We are being haunted. And then all of a sudden his, his nephew would reveal him. But that's not the movie we saw, nor was it trying to yeah. be. There are spooky elements to this, but I don't know if this is a horror movie. I think it would have been cool, though, if it was from the perspective <laughs> yeah, of sure. uncle. Just saying, you're talking about it. That seems like something I would absolutely want to watch. It's like, who's killing all these people? What's happening? Yeah. But yeah, fair. yeah, definitely, definitely not. So we're three for three. The Northmen, you are not 
going to be America's Next Top Horror Movie. Oh, I was going to be like, thank Charlie. you, Maury. The Northman, you are <laughs> not the father. Yes. <laughs> um, we were rooting for you. We, we are, are all, all rooting, rooting for, you. for you. Oh, my God. That's like top five best like reality TV moments ever. Ever. And I'm so glad I experienced that in real time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Also unrelated. Do you remember those makeover episodes and how yes. they just made the, they just tried to intentionally like uglyfy all of these like beautiful Absolutely. people. It was just like, it was so heinous. It was so heinous. That's, that's the real horror of this episode yes. is America's <laughs> not next top model makeover episodes are the true horror. They are the true horror in our day and age. I also stand for all the TikToks that are talking about how toxic that show is because it is. Oh my God. Yes. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Brian, we're ready. Sorry. We're ready for Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) No, let's do it. It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. All right. What do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? As of now. Um, I mean, it's because I would say 85. I'm going to say 89. Uh, this has an 89. <gasps> ah! What do I win? <laughs> the critics consensus. A bloody revenge epic and breathtaking visual marvel, the Northman finds filmmaker Robert Eggers expanding his scope without sacrificing any of his signature style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That tracks, that tracks. Huzzah. Ja- yes, Jamie gets bragging Huzzah. rights for the Woo! rest of the week. <laughs> I'm ex- I wonder, like, what's going to come after this? Like, he's covered yeah. just, like, very, very different topics and definitely interested to see how his career keeps going. Totally. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting. All right, mm-hmm. let's, some four S's. The four S's. Yes. 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 <laughs> The four S's for this are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Skulls is how well it handles mental health and human behavior. Scares is how scary was it. Um, Shakes is how much are we going to shake it off? Um, How much does it stick with us? And then suggestions, we'll like throw in some suggestions there. Um, Yeah. Let's start with uh, Jamie for skulls. Um, I, I'm, I'm really, I have no idea with the S's. Like I'm feeling kind of stuck. Um, That's another S. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I replace, I reject your S's and I present a new one. Right. Um, I mean, I, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a three because I personally fundamentally do not believe in fate. And so I feel like people's choices like are, Mm. are their own and live outside of like what's predetermined. Mm -hmm. This is, this is all this backstory of, (laughs) of justifying (laughs) my score. So I feel like in real life, people are, are the makers and masters of their own destiny and like would make choices that, that are of their own doing versus like, because it's written in the stars kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Nikisha. Yeah. Uh, I'll give it a four 
just for the conversations that we have about revenge in general, because even though this is based on, like Jamie said, the fates and he's just following that, it's still a real thing of people and revenge and what it can do to a person. So, yeah. Sure. Um, I'm also going to give it a four um, because I don't think that this, I don't think the point of this was to break down a lot of that stuff, but I thought the acting does a great job of keeping like uh, some realism and consistency to it. So I'm going to give it a four. Um, scares. How scary was this? Was it scary? Scary spice. Scary spice. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I love her. Um, no, it, this wasn't, this wasn't really scary. Um, I mean, it was like violent, but I wasn't, I wasn't super anxious or like tense. So I'll probably give it like a 1.5. Sure. Yeah. I'm just going to give it a one just for it being bloody. Yeah. Bloody good time. Bloody. I'm going to give it a two. Cuts a guy's nose off and then he's weird. weird <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Shakes. How much is he going to stay with you? Jamie. Um, I, I mean, I really like this movie. I'm, I, I'd like to recommend it to lots of people and, and definitely get their takes. So I think I'm going to give it a 6.5. Cool. Ooh. Nikisha. I mean, it's no Leslie Vernon. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a four. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a seven. I dug it. Nice. Uh, all right. Uh, suggestions. What else would you suggest? <laughs> Jamie's just shaking her head. <laughs> Truly, I, I'm I'm at a complete loss. And I think, Nikisha, there was something that you had said earlier of like really enjoying like Viking type mm, stories mm-hmm. and themes. This is this is not an area that I'm super familiar with. I don't have a lot of. Uh, you know, comparable movie experiences to, to share. So like, I actually don't, I don't have, I don't have anything. Ooh, that's a I am, I am, I know I am without a suggestion. I mean, it also is hard because it's not a horror movie. So there's no horror related things. I don't know. I was just watching this movie and I thought about the movie Troy that I've always liked and enjoyed. Uh, which is I never saw it. And, oh, okay. Well. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, around that, I'm going with uh, Gladiator. Yeah. Um, well, All good things. Also, didn't see gla- haven't seen that. <laughs> so Gladiator, the reason I'm choosing Gladiator, one, it's a period piece, but it's also a story of revenge. It's also a story mm-hmm. of destiny, and there's a supernatural element to it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it's a story about, like, re- uh, revenge for your family um, something that was supposed to be yours that was taken away from you, rising through the ranks to become, you know, become fa- come face to face with um, um, the person who took everything from you. Um, yeah. So I'm going to go with, uh, and plus like incredible performances. Um, uh, and, um, you know, they tried to make it as historically accurate as possible um, without, you know, being distracted by things of that time that we would have thought like not to be true, but it is true. Cause apparently I saw on mm, TikTok yeah. that they had billboards, mm. um, in Roman times. Um, like, like that would oh. like for businesses and stuff like that. But Ridley Scott for gladiator was just like, we can't like, people will not believe that this will happened in Roman times. Like, so they, they like, oh, they wow. that. like if you saw like billboards for like, you know, like, Frank's like you know 
horse repair. <laughs> like, y- you wouldn't believe that to be like, you thought you'd be like, what is happening? Like, this is a joke. But like, so anyway. Right. Um, I'm going to go with Gladiator. <laughs> that was that. a weird tangent. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a cool <clears throat> nugget of info. Yeah. That, yeah. You know. Um, cool. Party topics. Yeah. Anyway, the Norseman. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, <laughs> that wraps up our episode of The Northman. You can follow us on all of the social medias at Talk Horror Pod, P O D, on the TikTok and the Insta and the Twitter. So, yes. And Brian, where can they listen to us? Sure. You can find this podcast wherever you find podcasts, things like Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. And thank you. I feel like we should end with a sound, some type of like gladiator-esque Viking sound. Oh, I did swords clanking at the beginning, so I'll just do swords clanking again. Yeah. <laughs> or like Ride of the Valkyrie. <laughs> that oh. crazy uh, um, classical song. But anyway, yes. Thanks, guys. Love it. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.